1: And welcome to episode 247 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. I am joined by Scott Coleman to celebrate the end of a 19-year drought. The Braves, Scott, won a playoff series.
2: For the first time in almost 7,000 days, we can say (laughs) that the Atlanta Braves, 7,000 days, like a month after 9-11, for the first time in 7,000 days, the Atlanta Braves have won a playoff series. It feels good to say that, doesn't it?
1: It absolutely does. We've discussed this in the past. I am, uh, I think, a little bit older than you, but I was, in, I was in 10th grade, and I'm not a young man at this point in time. Uh, so that kind of tells you we had listeners that reached out to us the last time we talked about this, but even today, I was getting responses on Twitter from people that weren't born, high school students that had never seen the team win a playoff series. We've litigated all of that in the past, but they lost 10 series in a row, if you include the wild card. Uh, we, we've said it all, but now that they've actually won it. It's just nice to be able to say that it's over. I know, you know, it's possible you could you could nitpick this by saying it's a three-game series. They haven't advanced beyond where they were in the, in the in the past. That's all true. I promise we I promise we understand. But they won a playoff series. They advanced in the playoffs and uh they did so, Scott, by not allowing a single run in a playoff series. A postseason record they held the Reds scoreless for 22 innings. They only allowed 13 hits and five walks and by the way only one of those was an extra base hit in 22 innings that's outrageous especially for a team that uh, was hitting focus all season long granted they only had to use two starters that's worth pointing out like all their pitching woes are not solved at this moment in time but i mean, what's your reaction to the fact that they did this with they did this with, with run prevention instead of run scoring
2: yeah naturally Leading up to the series, all everybody was talking about was the Reds starting pitching, and with good reason. They have three really, really good starting pitchers, and they, uh, Bauer and Castillo, were fantastic the last two days. Neither of them were the reason by any means that the, the Reds lost the series, but uh, Max Freed and Ian Anderson right now are locked in, um, Anderson especially today, for for making his playoff debut, and I know there there wasn't 50,000 people in the stands around him, but Um, He was phenomenal. Freed was really, really good for a guy who hasn't pitched very much over the last month, really, with with the various things he's been dealing with. Um, And then the bullpen, which has been the one consistent for the Braves all year long. It's been so, so good. Uh, It was dominant today. I don't believe they allowed even a base runner to get on in the final couple innings. Uh, It was a lot of fun to watch, of course, as stressful and as up and down as yesterday's game was. I I don't want to say today's game wasn't stressful because a 1-0 game for most of it is not free of, of nervous moments, but really, uh, it was about as as easygoing as you can get in an elimination playoff game, and it was great to wrap it up today because I don't think anyone, just knowing the history, the recent history at least of this team, nobody wanted to go into a win-or-go-home scenario tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that, that today was a little bit less stressful. At the same time, it's still a playoff game in which no one wanted to see Game 3, obviously, uh, and also, I mean. The Atlanta sports of it all. Even even when they're winning five nothing, no one's comfortable. I think that's like kind of beaten into us at this point in time. I know this is the only team that you follow that's an Atlanta sports team, but especially for those of us that really really follow all kinds of Atlanta sports, uh, nothing's safe. So yes, it was a little bit it was a little bit less stressful. It was not a uh, a winner go home game, but you know, still some awkward moments along the way, and it wouldn't be baseball in the playoffs without all of that. We should say this now and get our gloating out of the way. Someone pointed out a listener said, uh, you know, we nailed our predictions, and that's basically true. You and Scott, uh, sorry, you and Eric, both predicted, I believe, Braves in two. I, I said Braves in three, ultimately, but I also said, uh, and I quote, Braves in 2.6 was the way that I kind of put it and that it kind of landed in the middle of that it was like 2.4 or something with if if you fact if you factor in the extra innings from game one so I'm not saying we're prescient Scott but uh occasionally when when we say something we get we get it right I don't you know we're not that smart actually because this is kind of the consensus but still we you guys were actually right and I was like 20% right
2: yeah I mean I think it's funny looking back on this series and I went it's always fun to Uh, Not gloat, but look back on, I think a lot of people were picking the Reds to win this series and that's fine, right? It's baseball. It's unpredictable. They were, they were set up well for a short series, but um, ultimately I think the Braves uh, really did play well the last uh, 48 hours and um, we, yeah, the Braves in two, I said it just because I didn't want to have to suffer through a game three scenario where you were, you know, you're on pins and needles for every single pitch. Um, good to get it out of the way today. Don't go to a game three. Don't have to face Sonny Gray uh, and give, give the team, as we'll talk a little bit later, a little bit of a head start, a little more time off, uh, because of the way the schedule works out.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, we can say this now cause the game's not going to happen. Uh, the Braves were favored in Vegas in both game one and game two. They would not have been. They would not have been favored in Game Three with the pitching matchup that was on the table. So I'll just say that no one wanted to see that for obvious reasons. But uh, if you were to go to the projections slash betting markets, the Braves needed to win today to be comfortable, and they did. So there you go. Um, all right, let's dive into the game here a little bit. We'll we'll pause somewhere in the middle for a break as we always do, but. Same lineup today. I had no problem with that whatsoever. People were asking me. Uh, I think all of us uh, at some point got this on Twitter about you know the catchers in particular, the fact that they were seemingly going to have Darno play every game in the series, which I had no problem with. I did float on our previous podcast before the playoffs started that I would have at least thought about going to Ozuna in the outfield and putting TDA uh, as the DH in Game Two. They didn't do that, and obviously didn't matter. But did you have any thoughts? Like, would you have gone away from? Marcus or gone away from Riley did you have any thoughts about like anything lineup wise or were you okay with just running it back from game one
2: yeah I'm good with it um as you said there are there is a little bit of flexibility here with the roster but um, Darno is so steady behind the plate especially and we saw yesterday Adam Duvall had a fantastic day even though he was not great at the plate yesterday he was really really good defensively um the Braves clearly don't love Ozuna's glove as good as his bat has been uh he does make you worry a little bit defensively and Again, the Nick Markakis thing. I think Nick is going to be out there pretty much anytime they see a righty. So no, I was I was good with the lineup staying as it was.
1: I honestly wasn't even going to bring it up, and then I got multiple questions before the game started between the lineups and the game. Also, I'm sure you were asleep, but I think Brando said this on on, on Twitter. But it was wild to get the uh, the lineup notification for the Braves at 7:30 Eastern time this morning. Especially after Game 1, in which they hemmed and hawed about the roster. The roster, not even the lineup, the roster until 10. They put out the lineup at 7.30 a.m. today. which i, Brenda, I mean,
2: That's 4.30 for me. I was know. definitely not you were, you, were,
1: you were sleeping, but I, I just wanted yeah. to point that out. I mean, I was up. I was already on my way to work and all that stuff. But I just kind of was blown away by it. Obviously, the game's at noon, so it's a little bit less crazy. But uh, that was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. When you look at the app, bad app, uh, notifications on your phone, and I'm plugged into those to where I get the lineup every day. I was like, wait, it's seven thirty in the morning. Why is the lineup here? And it's like, oh, I guess yeah. they're just gonna be the opposite of is yesterday.
2: It, is it required to be in like four hours in advance? I mean, it wasn't in yesterday.
1: A... I mean, yesterday they didn't put they put the lineup until, uh, like ten thirty. I mean, I, I know you're wondering if
2: if there's rules or something like that. But no, I mean I can't imagine. that is it was so it was early. so yeah.
1: early and uh it doesn't matter. It was just something I wanted to make sure I said on the podcast because it was uh, yeah. it was fun slash weird slash everything to get the lineup at seven thirty and it wasn't a mistake, it was actually the lineup. <laughs> okay. Uh, to the game itself, obviously Ian Anderson was incredible. We'll go through all of this um, throughout, but uh, a great 1-2-3 start for him. He ran into some some trouble momentarily after that. The Braves lineup, though, didn't score. I mean, that's kind of the broad strokes. We can spend some time on this on this now. I had all the numbers ready to go for how bad the lineup has been in the playoffs, and for seven innings again today, they didn't do a whole lot offensively the first in the first inning they had um a in scoring position um they got got a strikeout from ozuna and a fly out um some untimely hitting in the first inning uh we can just kind of leave that there for now i want to talk about the second though because the second inning was kind of a pivot point um run prevention wise is really the only time that was a huge swing it was a 34 pitch inning for Ian (laughs) Ian Anderson uh, a leadoff single it should have been a double play, honestly. I'm, I actually missed this live, but saw the replay. Ozzie kind of made a, Ozzie kind of made a mess at second base um, off of a uh, throw that he probably should have handled a little bit cleaner. Missed the bag, had to go back and get it. It's a fielder's choice, then a walk. And then suddenly you have first and second no outs. Um, got a fly out, and then they walked Galvis. So base is loaded, granted were two outs, but he gets a ground out to escape it. What did you make of that? Because he was so good in the first inning, and it was like, oh, hopefully he's hopefully the reality is not setting in. Not that, not that it looked too bad in the second inning, but it was obviously a little bit more of a hiccup.
2: Well, and he had such a quick first inning, and after playing 13 innings yesterday, I think everyone was really hoping that Anderson was going to be able to work deep into the game. So then you follow up a great first with a 34-pitch inning. As you said, there was some not great defense behind him. It ended up not costing, but... Uh, that's a play I think that that Riley and Ozzy should make uh, for a double play, and then he did get squeezed, uh, as you said, uh, got squeezed pretty badly. I think one one at bat he threw four strikes. Yeah, they got they got and,
1: it out there, so it wasn't like too big of a deal, but that was maddening.
2: <laughs> right, and as you're sitting there and watching a you know 20 minute, 34 pitch inning happen, it's like man, these are these are adding up. Of course, we didn't know what was going to ultimately transpire, and as good as Anderson was at that point, the last thing you wanted him to do. Was throw, you know, need to throw 80 or 90 pitches over four innings on a hot day and they pull him. So, um, <clears throat> really nice job by him to kind of settle in uh, that he's been so good at that this year with all of his starts. Whenever he gets into a little bit of trouble, he might give up a run or two or maybe walk an extra guy. But ultimately, he was able to get out of the jam. And, and after that, it was really pretty smooth sailing.
1: Just before we, get, before we get angry tweets because you don't live here, it wasn't hot today. Which was bizarre, but it wasn't. I just want to say that out loud. It's hot there where you hot. live,
2: I know. It was a hundred degrees today. Bro. It's actually like
1: bizarrely cool here right now, and I actually saw—I don't know why I saw this—but I was watching the news or something, and I saw Phoenix, and it was like 101 the other day, and I was like, "Oh, it's still hot in Phoenix." Not mm-hmm. here, not here anymore, Scott. It's actually Ex- cool today. Please
2: excuse me, um, beloved Atlanta listeners.
1: I'm just saying. I don't. I don't want. You, I, don't, I don't want you. I don't want you to get yelled at. I got yelled at, and rightfully so, for saying on the last podcast that Will Smith was the most expensive pitcher on the team. Which is not true this year. It's Mark Melanson. I was really talking about the contract, but I was wrong on what I said. So my apologies. Uh, we have stuff that we get wrong every once in a while. Scott's on weather, and mine is on salary. <laughs> so there you go on that. Um, I'll add
2: the uh, I'll add the Atlanta weather app to my phone, and I'll I'll be ready to go moving. Oh, I guess they're done playing in Atlanta this yeah, year. Yeah, no, so I'll no I'll more have, Atlanta. Spoiler alert. Uh, well, they'll be in a dome moving forward. So uh, no longer
1: matters. This is the last <laughs> outdoor game of the season, most likely. Unless they have the weirdly have the dome open in either one of the spots. Anyway. Um, the third and the fourth innings were very boring uh, in a good way for Atlanta. Two one two three innings for Ian, and then uh, a pair of two out singles for the Braves that, that turned into nothing. So not much to talk about in either one of those innings, I don't think. The fifth inning, um, there was a it was kind of a pretty ironic swing. Anderson gave up a rocket to open the inning that was robbed um, by Freddie. Then a harmless grounder that hit the bag. And went out and went out to right field for a single. So, at everyone at that moment on Twitter, I'm not sure if you do this or not, but everyone was like, "Oh no, <laughs> here we go." When the ball hits the bag and go, it goes into right field, it's like, "Oh man, please no." But then, Ian Anderson to the rescue once again with back-to-back strikeouts. I guess you had that same feeling of that that oh no feeling that we all had. <laughs>
2: here we go. Yeah, at that point, zero-zero game. Everyone was starting to worry again. I mean, at that point, it was a team that had scored one run over the last what 17, 18 innings. So. Yeah, it felt like that was kind of the tip of the iceberg. Again, it's it's the recency bias thing and just the recent pain that we've had to watch in the playoffs. But thankfully, it was not the beginning of the end.
1: It was not. Um, and there was glory coming in the bottom of the inning, what eventually became, uh, I guess, the winning run, even though they didn't have, uh, they scored more than this later. But Marquecas hits a single in the fifth. Uh, both times the Braves had scored at this point were started by Marquecas hitting a single. So shouts to him. Um, a fielder's choice by Riley, but that brings up Ronald Acuna Jr. and he did Ronald, Ju- Ronald Acuna Jr. things. He had a RBI double that with a 111 mile an hour exit velocity. It was an absolute rope. He was very happy about it, in in trademark fashion, I really enjoyed watching him celebrate. And suddenly it's one nothing. Now it would have been nice to tack on more because they walked Freeman and Ozuna flew out, which which he would make up for later on. But uh, up finally, with a lead that was not in the 13th inning walk-off, was, it was kind of nice to have a lead. Granted, it was one nothing, but it was, uh, it was a lead.
2: Yeah, I mean, at that point, Castillo, there was really no hard contact off of him all night. Uh, as you said, 111 miles an hour off Ronnie's bat. He just split the outfielders perfectly. I think it was on a, a 3-2 pitch, so Riley, who was at first, and Riley really does run pretty well for being a bigger guy, but because he was able to get the head start, he scored easily, and with that bad quad, you didn't want him to necessarily have to overexert himself rounding third at a close play. So great to finally break through again. It was only one run, but after yesterday, I don't think anybody wanted to go into a late-inning scenario with no runs on the board.
1: No, that would have been very uh, not enjoyable. Uh, we'll stop in a second, but let's just finish off Ian Anderson's outing. He went one, two, three again in the sixth, and that was the end of his day. Six innings, two strikeouts, two – no, sorry – two hits, two two walks, nine strikeouts, and 99 pitches. He tied Steve Avery, yes, Steve Avery, that's Steve Avery, for most strikeouts in a postseason debut uh, for the Braves. Uh, in the regular season, he was obviously awesome with a sub-2 ERA and six starts. But, I mean, let's just say this now, no one could have predicted, or at least expected. Obviously, this was, this was on the table in terms of outcomes, because he just did it. But... Projection-wise, I know I wasn't projecting him to throw six scoreless innings and basically dominate the entire way. He was capable of it, and we saw it here, but uh, what an outing for Mean Anderson.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about both the present and the future for the Braves. Anderson, Freed, who actually made his first—I didn't realize this. Maybe you guys did. It was his first playoff start yesterday. Yeah, uh, I, forgot,
1: I forgot to say that because he had pitched previously, but yeah, it was, a, it was his first start. That's important.
2: <laughs> yep, and then you think about what uh, Soroka did last year in the NLDS, Game 3— in front of 50,000 people at Bush Stadium, I think he threw seven innings of one-run ball. Uh, the Braves, you would hope, <laughs> fingers crossed, are in really, really good shape. And for those, all three of them, but especially Anderson today, uh, for him to go out there and, and just be so good, especially after working around that second inning where things could have gone, gone sideways. Uh, he was fantastic. The changeup is so hard to hit, especially for lefties. He made Joey Votto look bad yep. a couple times And and Castellanos, who is a, it was a good big league hitter for half a decade now. Um, uh, the reds really couldn't do anything. And as you said, just the two hits, it was not like he was getting line drives hit all over the yard that were right at somebody. They were not making much contact. And when they were, it was pretty soft.
1: Yeah. And I was really, uh, not that I didn't know this already, but Ian Anderson is 22 years old. He was uh, barely a functioning human when the last, time the, last time the Braves won a playoff series. So having a 22-year-old go out there and <laughs> shove that way, I mean, it's just outrageous that he pitched as well as he did, frankly. And we all know he's a, he's a talented guy. He was obviously a, a, high, a high draft pick. He's been a big-time prospect. But... uh he looked so good, and you know you don't want to yeah. get carried away. he saw to do it more in this playoffs, and he'll be relied upon heavily as they look ahead because it can't all be Max Freed, but Ian Anderson was uh, everything that you possibly could have wanted him to be in this spot. Yeah. Uh, um. All right, we'll, we'll break there for a second, Scott. Let's have a moment from, to hear from our sponsors, and we'll, we'll be right back, so please stay tuned for more on Game 2. All right, Scott, obviously still quiet from the Braves offense generally through six and then seven, Uh, but now now we're into the bullpen. So this is a question that everybody was talking about in the moment. They they go to Will Smith in the seventh. Uh, I was totally on board with that, especially because he came in to face the first two were Mike Moustakis and Winker, Um, both of whom are left-handed. So it made a lot of sense to me to go to Will Smith there, and man. He looked so good in that in that inning. Granted, it was one inning, um, but after we've talked about him quite a bit, he pitched, of course, yesterday as well. But Will Smith looked like the guy the Braves invested in in that inning because he made people look absolutely silly.
2: You know, I, I said it right after watching. That was the guy the Braves paid $40-plus plus million dollars for. Yep. I mean, it was the slider against the lefties. I mean, again, Mike Moustakas and Jesse Winker are solid big league hitters they were pretty much swinging a tennis racket up there because they had no idea where that slider was going. Um, And then to get Senzel as well at the end 10, the inning um, he was fantastic. He looks, I don't know. I think sometimes you can look at a a pitcher and see how they're feeling. And he's clearly feeling good. Somebody who did have some struggles and he was behind the eight ball with the COVID scare and being about, I think he's really was about two weeks behind uh, at the beginning of the year. And, Um, he looks the part of the guy who was really one of baseball's best relievers out in San Francisco, and if he is the same Will Smith that he was out there, it makes a good bullpen even more so because of his ability to be, frankly, automatic against left-handed hitters. He was more or less automatic against lefties in San Francisco, and if if that's the case moving forward here, as the games take on a bigger meaning, uh, the Braves are in good shape.
1: Right, and you never feel good about a one nothing lead in the playoffs. It wasn't like it was very comfortable at this point in time. But when you realize your starting pitcher gave you six good innings, and your all your all of your best bullpen guys are at least available, Snickers said they were all available, and a lot of them pitched in this game. You feel pretty good about it. And Smith coming in and shoving. Now the game's now it's a two inning game. And then after a quiet inning from the Braves in the bottom of the seventh, Chris Martin comes in and he looks great. He gets a pop out. Gets two groundouts in a row. He looked very good. He looked a lot like Chris Martin. Um, and a reminder that he's, he's very, very good at baseball. And it would have been a big loss if he was unable to pitch. We were really scared about that like four days ago. And now he mm-hmm. looks like himself again, which is very, very good. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll stop there because the offense is coming. So <laughs> the Braves scored two <laughs> runs in the first 20 innings of the series. And they were somehow 1-0 in the series and 1-0 in the game, which is just outrageous. The fact that they were able to be in a position to command the series with two runs and 20 innings goes without saying that's very fortunate and it's a, it's a, credit, to the, it's a credit to the pitching staff and the defense and all of that stuff. But finally, in the bottom of the eighth, the floodgates open to some degree. And, they, and it happened against Iglesias, who is Cincinnati's best reliever and who looks very, very good in game one, but not again in game two. He walks Freddie and then Marcelo Zuna breaks it open uh, to go up 3-0 and I'll speak for myself only we love Ozuna he looks really bad before this for most of the uh, first two games he had a couple of nice at bats but uh, a couple of bad moments too that ball was uh, was yacked and it was uh, a celebration at that point in time not, not the game was over but 3-0 is a lot different than
2: 1-0 it was and as you said the yes the Braves bats look bad uh, Cincinnati's pitching staff is really really good yes it and is throughout the series even Bauer, who is as good as it gets. Um, the fastball usage was way down across the board. They were just pounding the Braves outside and away with sliders, and they weren't able to lay off. And it's easy for us to say as we're standing there, we're not, we're not in the box looking at 90-mile-an-hour sliders. Uh, Adam Duvall today swung at a ball that was like four feet off the plate and and you see the movement on it it's like oh yeah (laughs) that's pretty hard to hit it
1: it looked it looked so bad though I mean too we can make we can make fun of Adam Duval because we love Adam Duvall, and he also homered momentarily and we'll talk about that in a second but that was a a hilarious one
2: (laughs) yeah and finally finally after really a bad first 20 innings or so uh Iglesias threw a fastball in the inner half to Marcelo Zuna and I mean, I, I don't think you could have placed the ball in a better spot for Marcel there. And he hit all of it uh, with the infamous uh, first base selfie, which I absolutely love. The AJC photographer has an awesome photo of Marcel taking his imaginary selfie while trotting down the first baseline. Uh, it has the Reds dug out in the background looking pretty uh, Nonplussed. sad and dejected. Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah good job marcel that that was huge. nobody wanted i mean you talk about not feeling good about a five oh lead in the ninth inning uh, if anybody went to that ninth inning with a one nothing lead and said they felt good, I would have called you crazy so, no way yeah um, good to kind of get that the world off their shoulders and as you said, just kind of open up the doors a little bit
1: yeah i uh I agree. no one would have been happy with one nothing um I was have been a good situation overall, but uh irrational as it might be, all of us would have been terrified. That one nothing, um, so after the home run, which we all were feeling good about, Darno strikes out, and it's like, all right, you know, we're all right, three nothing, three nothing. Then Ozzy walks after what would have been a huge pop up out for the Reds to stay sort of alive in the game, but it was dropped on a foul ball, and that allowed Ozzy to stick in the box. He walks, and then Adam Duvall puts the punctuation mark on it with a home run to go up five nothing, and you know i will say this three three nothing versus one nothing is a bigger deal than five nothing versus three nothing but those extra runs are all also also quite nice i mean (laughs) you want to be up by five that's that's very very nice and again iglesias we said we said this before iglesias had not allowed a home run since july 25th that's two plus months ago no home runs and then he allowed two and four batters so whatever happened against ozuna uh yeah, something happened there, and that was uh, obviously opened the door. But our t- our two sons, Marcel and Adam Duval, are <laughs> uh, official players of the podcast. Not that everyone everyone loves Freddie, everyone loves Ronnie. We were uh, early on Ozuna, we were early on Adam Duval, and uh, yeah. that proved very nicely in this eighth inning.
2: It was just kind of a reminder of how good this lineup can be and really how they got to lead baseball in extra base hits and runs. Um, yeah, some nights they're going to strike out a little bit more than they should. They're not going to always put the ball in play. Um, But they're going to get on base. They're going to take their walks and they can put a ball over the fence in a hurry. I mean, you talk about truly a a lineup that goes nine deep, uh, maybe eight, but eight or nine deep that can all homer pretty regularly. Um, We were reminded of that in the eighth inning and was really nice, even though they did eventually uh, bring in Melanson and it wasn't like it was the difference in the game. Um, as you said, even a 15-run lead, I think everyone would just kind of be a little on edge just to make sure. Uh, <laughs> 15,
1: normally, maybe maybe, not 15. maybe 15. 15 is a probably a little bit. You more. never know. But, but hey, seven, seven or less, I would say. Is, I don't know, Brad. I've
2: I've seen some stuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, we we saw a 10-run ending last year in the playoffs. We saw this. Yeah, yeah, so,
2: but it's uh, but no, it was it was nice to get those two homers. Hopefully, it kind of jumpstarts the team. They did not hit super well against the Red Sox the last couple games in the regular season. And then, of course, yesterday it was a fight just to get the one run across. And really, the offense was not as bad uh, through the first eight innings, but it wasn't like they were lighting up the scoreboard or they no. had a million guys on base. So it was good to kind of get everyone back in the groove and, and to take that five-zero lead into the final inning.
1: Yeah, get everybody feeling good because you know, not that everyone we would we would have celebrated anyway if they had won the series one nothing, one nothing. That'd have been bizarre in itself. But I I do think there's something probably mental to the fact that they were actually able to put some runs on the board here, looking ahead a little bit, because, you know, the offense, given that it would have been three straight years of the offense not doing really anything in the playoffs, even with a win, there would have been that cloud hanging over them as the NLDS approached, like, all right, a little bit of extra pressure for the offense, and that's not great for anybody, so... It's probably just a small thing, frankly, but they did hit enough to where no one's going to mention that now in the next in the next few days, and that's probably a good thing, all things considered. So, I'll take it. Uh, the ninth inning was business as usual, which is which is a good thing. They went to Pache um, in the outfield for Marquez, which is which is a no brainer. I'm glad they did that. That was a good that was a good thing to do. Um, and then Melanson, who was already warming up, so they no reason not to use him in that spot with multiple days off coming. Uh, he gets a one two three inning. And it's five nothing, and that's the, and that's the end of the ball game. Um, you know, strategy wise, in this game, we, we famously do a lot of strategy on these post game episodes. I'm not really sure what I am. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Like, it's just kind of bizarre to think about where we are at this point in time. What do you think?
2: I, <laughs> I will say I was not on yesterday, and I would have made this point if I was on with you and Eric. Here we go. Um... But I, I think that Brian Snicker was fantastic, and today there was. Oh, there we said that. Thank offers. God! Thank God! Yeah. We, all, we all said Oh, it. Good. I, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want to say, and I guess my first chance to give him a shout out yesterday, especially he was terrific. <laughs> people, today, there was, hold on, was hold of, on. Like,
1: people thought you, people thought you were ducking the podcast because Snicker did a good job. I had so, I had someone <laughs> in my mention say Scott's not coming on the podcast because Snicker did a good job today, and I was like, No, sir, we're recording this. It's two p.m. on Pacific time, but I appreciate your efforts.
2: Yes, no. He he did a great job yesterday. You're no ducking deal. Snit,
1: Scott. You're ducking him.
2: I'm afraid of uh, of Brian Snicker <laughs> in, in the uh, Braves blogosphere. I guess, oh, but, uh, I love it. but yeah, I mean, again, it was it was about as smooth sailing. If you had to pencil or draw up how a Braves playoff game should go, I guess maybe they score a few more runs in the early innings, but again, get five or six good innings from your starter and then hand the ball off to the the really good bullpen especially the way, even Melanson, um, who has been okay this year. I mean, he hasn't been bad, um, but he also hasn't been quite as good as he was last year. The strikeouts were down. He was giving up a little more hard contact. Um, his stuff looked really good the last two days. Um, again, the ninth inning thing is what it is, and you you obviously need someone you can rely on there. Um, if the Braves are going to continue this kind of formula, of, I guess, of, of Shane Green and Will Smith in the, the seventh, and then Chris Martin in the eighth, and, Melanson the ninth, you're going to need them locked in. And uh, Melanson has looked really good uh, over the last week or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could do a little bit of this now. I, I'll i say this now. we I had no issue at all with anything that Snecker did in this game. There weren't a lot of decisions that he had to make. He just went to his best relievers, which is just fine. But to that end, I got a few questions about this. You know, Melanson, we mentioned this on yesterday's podcast too, but Melanson has not been incredible this year. And there's the notion of, uh, like, are you afraid? Somebody asked me, somebody asked me this today. Like, are you afraid that he's just going to go to Melanson as the closer role forever? And it's like, well, I'm not afraid of it. It's going to happen. Unless Melanson has a bad outing or two, he is the closer. Like you can argue that that's not going to be the right decision. I think the closer role is overrated. We all kind of agree on that at this point in time, but I think it is definitely written in stone at the moment that Snicker has Melanson at the top of his list. And, I don't really have a huge problem with that. You could certainly argue other guys have been better this year, like Martin's been better this year, um. full stop. But, I don't know, does this, does this bother you at all? It's more of a niche conversation, I think, especially after a win. But I had no issue with the way that relievers were used in really either of these games. It was just a situation where, if you look at the numbers, I guess, people are wondering why Melanson's still the guy in capital letters in the ninth. But, I don't know, I... I, I yeah. I think about this stuff all the time and not even, I think about this because I just think it's the reality. Like what's the yeah. point of litigating it? It's just going to be the fact that he's going to be there unless he blows up and hopefully it doesn't blow up.
2: Yeah. I don't have a big problem with it. And I think I'm, I'm for sure a Mark Melanson fan. I think last year, of course everyone makes quick judgments and he was on the, the wrong end of some bad luck. Um, again, he hasn't been elite. No one's going to, you know, mistake him for Craig Kimbrell out there from seven years ago where he's throwing 101, with the wipeout slider, but the stuff did look good today. Um, I I think he's comfortable in the ninth inning. The Braves trust him there. Um, and again, we talk about bullpen when you have a good bullpen, it, it really shouldn't matter because you have so many good weapons as the Braves do to work multiple innings. Um, so no, I mean, do I wish he got a little more swing and miss stuff? Sure. Just you're, you're lowering the chance that something goes weird with blue pits or, you know, balls down the line or whatever. Um, but I think Melanson is—he's a veteran. He's not going to get rattled out there. He's been around for a long time, and to to make any kind of a change at this point in the year would be kind of odd, uh, barring just a complete collapse. And and there hasn't been that to this point.
1: Right. And we're not—we are not the the results-oriented podcast. We are people that would always consider this, and I do understand the sentiment to some degree. To be like, look, Martin's your best reliever, and I'm not sure that's wrong, frankly, but. That's not the way Snicker operates, and I just want to be as realistic as possible. We could certainly talk about hypotheticals at some point in the future. Maybe we'll spend some time on that at some point, but I just think that Melanson's clearly the guy. They've approached it that way the entire season. I mean, this is is the team, this is the team-slash-manager that spent a multi-year, huge-money deal on Will Smith and then came out, like, the next day and said, Mark Melanson's our closer? So, I mean, from literally day one, well before the season started... It, there's been no doubt. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. We all kind of thought when they signed Will Smith in that moment, it's like, well, I guess Will Smith's the closer, and then Sn- Snicker was like, nope, is <laughs> the closer. So yeah. uh, he's point. the guy.
2: I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it, but it was it's. I mean, it's forever ago now, based on everything that ha- that's happened in the world since then. But yeah, that that was weird when it happened. But I mean, they set the tone very very early that Martin Malenko was the guy. He's done nothing to pitch his way out of that. So. Yeah, cross your fingers, I guess, if you're a skeptic. If you're, a, if you're skeptical, <laughs> Anson, I get it to some degree, but just uh, understand it's going to be this way uh, for a while. Okay, that's it on the game. I mean, do you have other thoughts on the game itself? When we talked about the numbers. Obviously, the monkey's off their back now. Um, they just did what they needed to do. The pitching staff was incredible. The bats did just, just enough. That's kind of all I have on this yeah. series slash game. Unless you have something to add.
2: No, I, I think... The things that we we thought were going to play out were all held true, right? I think there were no real surprises in this series. Baseball is, a by nature, an unpredictable game, but everyone knew the Reds pitching was going to be good, and it was, other than one eighth inning from Iglesias. Um, people knew. We talked about how the Reds lineup was not scary. And in the, pre, uh, the pre-series podcast, uh, we talked about the Reds lineup was on the bottom half of the league, um, I was pretty unimpressed. They had a million opportunities in game one and weren't able to take advantage. And then today, I, I mean, obviously Anderson and the Bullpen were great, but most of their bats weren't even competitive. as we said, there really weren't much there wasn't any hard contact. Just the one extra base hit in the whole in the two games, uh, which was like a blooper down the line. Um so yeah, no no real surprises. very, very happy the Braves won today. Nobody wanted to go to a game three. Uh, And hopefully they move on and and they'll wait this weekend to see who they're going to play.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about that for a second now before we get out of here. We are going to do a series preview at some point between now and Tuesday because, yes, as crazy as this is, the Braves now have until Tuesday because they have to travel. The NLDS is going to be happening in Texas. They have to go there in quarantine. And their opponent uh, is the winner of the Cubs Marlins series. Uh, that series is still ongoing. I might be going for two more days because Cubs Marlins got postponed for weather on Thursday after the Marlins won game one. So even if Miami wins on Friday and wins the series, you still have until Tuesday. It's it's set in stone, a really long break here. Um, we don't know what's going to happen in that series. I think... I'll speak for me anyway. I would prefer the Marlins win. The Marlins are not as good as the Cubs. So bring on the Marlins. I know the Marlins have never, never lost a playoff series. I'm aware of that. But, you know, my brain will not allow me to overrule this. Uh, the Marlins are not as good as the Cubs, so I'd like to play the Marlins. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on that?
2: I'm with you. Um, Gabe Burns of the AJC asked, and I think most the last time I looked in his poll, it was like 75-25 Marlins to Cubs. And I think that's natural. You want to play the team that's on paper not as good now. Obviously, we have not dug into the matchups. Maybe maybe the uh, Marlins we we look at. I, I think the Braves are more familiar with the Marlins, too, which is helpful. Um, Starling Marte, who is probably their best player, uh, got hit in the hand by a pitch yesterday, which is unfortunate for him. I believe he has a broken pinky, so he's going to try to play through it. But if they don't have Marte in their lineup even more so, that I'd rather see Miami. It would not be an e- easy series either way. The Marlins, as you mentioned, too, were very pesky. We saw that during the regular season. Um, But ultimately, if I have the choice of playing Miami or a team that houses Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, uh, Hugh Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, so on and so forth, I know who I would rather play. So I think Miami would be my pretty easy choice.
1: Yeah, again, there's not a huge gap here. It's all small sample size. At least it's a a five-game series instead of three-game series. There's a little bit Mm. less variance here. But the Braves will be favored, most likely, in Vegas against either of them. They'll definitely be favored against the the Marlins. And just, the Marlins aren't as good as the Cubs. That's just kind of what it comes down to. Uh, Can the Marlins beat the Braves? Yes, they can. Absolutely. It's a baseball series. The Marlins are not terrible in the way that we thought they were probably going to be. They have some pitching. uh, But, yeah, give me the Marlins. 100 times out of 100, if you ask me, I'm going to say, give me the Marlins. Um, But, yeah, we'll have a series preview at some point between now and first pitch, probably like Sunday to give you guys some time. I know we had some feed issues. I spent the majority of my morning when I wasn't working at my day job fighting with Megaphone, who hosts our podcast, as well as SB Nation and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. I talked to like endless people this morning about the podcast feed and nothing we did, um, not, not, not our problem, not our fault, but people couldn't find the podcast. I, I apologize. Hopefully it's been fixed now, but regardless, there'll be a show. Um, between now and Tuesday, previewing whichever series. Uh, I mean, preliminarily, I, I will pick the Braves in the series. I don't think I don't, I don't I don't see a scenario in which I'm picking against the Braves because I, I genuinely I genuinely think that no one other than the Dodgers is better than the Braves in the National League. I've said that for a few weeks now. Um, I haven't changed, changed my mind on that, and that won't change in that particular uh, matchup next. In the next matchup. But, uh, I mean, do you feel the same way? Not that we're going to give away all of our picks now. We don't We do even know who they're playing. But I'm picking the Braves for sure,
2: frankly. I, I am too. Again, weird things are going to happen. I, I guess if it was the Marlins, I'd feel pretty good about it. I guess if, uh, again, not to give it all away, I'd probably take Braves in four against the Marlins and Braves in five against the Cubs. But I say that not having looked at anything with these teams and not knowing their bullpens and their rotations and injuries and the like, but either way we should know we might know as early as as tomorrow which is uh friday as of recording this uh, but if they uh, if the cubs win <laughs> it kind of went under the radar yesterday that miami won because we were also locked into the yeah marlins uh, bra- <laughs> i was like oh hey the, the, the marlins won because i think they truly scored they won six to one and all of their offense came within like a five minute stretch they went single homer walk walk three run homer and I think that was all the offense they had the entire day. So,
1: and by the it, way, it, uh, yeah. Friday uh, is Sixto, who is their most electric pitcher. Granted, he's facing you Darvish, who might is an actual Cy Young candidate this year. So it's not like they have a, the advantage of the pitcher in that game. But they can they can win. I mean, the Marlins can win. And they're obviously, I'm not sure. I guess they're I guess they're favored because just having to beat a team twice in a row that's not that much worse than you. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think the Marlins are favored in that series at this moment in time as we record this they certainly could lose it but I don't know we'll we'll cross the bridge when when we get to it I am going to ask a favor of the listeners right now as you're listening to this which I rarely do but uh, in the midst of our podcast feed disaster especially on Apple and other places this morning um, I actually had to republish they asked me to republish the podcast so you're going to see if you haven't already two versions of the game one recap in your podcast player if you will do me a favor and download both of them Right now, just download both of them when you get done with the podcast. If you are to listen to it, thank you very much. If you didn't listen to it, that's okay. It's probably outdated at this moment, at this moment in time. But if you can download it, that really helps us to try to regain some of what we lost from game one. My apologies to everyone on that little small request. It takes you two seconds, and uh, I really really appreciate all the support. Honestly, though, the, the feedback's been great. I'm sure you've gotten it as well as I have, Scott, on Twitter. People are like clamoring for the pod, which I really. Yeah. I mean awesome. we, we always are thankful for that, but like especially right now, I feel like people are really invested and maybe it's just a couple of people on Twitter, but I really think that you know this the support's been kind of overwhelming. So shots to everybody listening.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of fun, right? I mean nobody <laughs> I, I don't want to speak for you, Brad, but I know when the Braves lose, I don't necessarily jump up at the chance to uh, to talk about a loss for an hour. So hopefully they <laughs> it's they easier keep winning. This it one's easier this one this easier. one's much easier. No one wants to come on and be the, you know, the negative Nancy for 45 minutes or whatever we do. But yeah, thank you to everyone. Seriously, it's been awesome. Appreciate everybody listening. Tell a friend, download, help us out. It really is. It goes a long way for us. And uh, hopefully we have a lot more podcasts here coming soon.
1: Yeah, at the very least, we are now guaranteed four more podcasts in this season, whereas we were not guaranteed that just a few hours ago, frankly, if you think about it. So uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. thanks for being here, Scott. As always, uh, please uh, check out the site as well. I'm not sure if you're writing anything or have written anything. I've not written anything recently, but we have tons and tons of content up on the site led by Chris and Eric and everybody else. So read all of that, subscribe to the podcast, follow Scott, follow me if you want to, follow Eric. We will see you at the very, very latest by Monday. So stay tuned for the next podcast.